Welcome to The Uncertainties, the podcast for 20-somethings who don't quite have their shit together yet. I'm your host, Karis, and I started this podcast because the last few years have been a huge learning curve for me. Entering the world of work, moving out of my family home, trying and often failing to live up to the challenges of being a fully-fledged adult. It can be overwhelming at the best of times, and I know that I'm not the only person who feels like this because I'm going to be speaking to a bunch of my friends and people that I admire about the struggles that they have faced and how they are able to absolutely smash life. Today's episode is with fellow podcasters Taylor and Georgina. Georgina is a compliance analyst in investment banking and Taylor works as an assistant brand manager at Tesco. At the beginning of 2020, they launched the Safe and Sound podcast, which is a podcast that discusses anything and everything within the music industry. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing? Well, actually, I started the new year off on a positive note. I'm trying to you know, be more active, just trying to even just like read more, things like that. So we're in a good way at the minute. <laughs> trying to read more. Trying to be read more, but she went to the library yesterday. <laughs> oh, no, I, excuse me. I actually have been reading more. I've got my little book up there. on One. I've got one yeah, book. book. I, yeah, I didn't know book singular. <laughs> I mean, it's the 24th of Jan. To be fair, I could have I could have finished it sooner than... I don't think I've ever completed January, a book in my life. You think. never completed a book? I did English A-level and I spark-noted it all. Yeah. I mean, babes, I did English degree and I spark-noted it all. <laughs> How are you doing, Taylor? What are you up to? Yeah, good. Not much, to be honest. Like, same as everyone else, I think, the whole lockdown situation. I'm a bit of a cheeky Nando's gym bro. Like, all I ever really do is the gym. And, and so, like, not being able to do that has been pretty pretty tough. Having the podcast and stuff like that, which you sort of mentioned, has been a real saviour, I think, throughout all of the 20 million lockdowns we've been through. On the other end of the uh, scale, I've been watching Marvel films and starting watching them because i've never watched them before <laughs> okay now, are you doing so how are you not be funny gina's just to give a really like <laughs> like Was that a really dirty look, big, like look. A- the thing is i actually like the marvel films but i'm just creasing because it's you <laughs> Cheers. Sound. <laughs> what are you starting Thank with on the Marvel sphere? Doing in chronological audio. Audio? Order. Um, <laughs> okay, I started doing this. So you start with Captain Marvel, right? Yeah, I've yeah, never yeah. seen any of them, to be fair. Like, I've watched all the Avengers in the cinema. I was like, yeah, love Avengers, sick. But obviously didn't understand a fucking thing of it. But then also, like, I, the, the more I'm watching it, the more I empathise with, like, some of the baddies. Like, the baddies, when they've just got, like, a really, like, sad origin story of being, like, neglected or left. And, like, the world turns them evil. It's a bit sad, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I have to just quickly mention, Taylor, you're the first male guest that I've ever had on the podcast. Don't you're feeling like, pretty special right now. History maker, it's just what I do. Get used to it. I did actually notice that. I was like, geez, I'm just, I'm, I was really like anticipating when the episode was coming because I was thinking, I don't want anyone to get there before we do. Well, so I, I, I do, You yeah. want to be the trailblazer. 
It's a pretty big deal. Set, standards. It is a big deal. How come? What is the decision of only? In, just hate men. No, yeah. <laughs> men are trash. Um, so. Straight up, just men are trash. Exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't really know. I did think this. Like every time I get bring out a new episode, someone's like, "You know what you should do? Bring on a male guest." And I was like, "Really good idea." And then the next episode would be another female guest. <laughs> so Hold that thought. Yeah. Love it. But, listeners, but... listeners who are looking for that prayer. It's been answered. Here I am. So. Oh, oh, welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> uh, also, I want to say thank you so much for answering your questions. So for anyone who doesn't know, I send out a questionnaire to my guests, basically just touches on all the uncertain parts or periods of your life. And I read your guys' answers earlier and I was genuinely, I'm not just saying this, but really, really blown away. Some people literally do like one word answers and you guys gave such good ones. So I was like, there is a lot here that I cannot wait to chat about. I feel like we should just dive straight in. So one thing that I found really interesting is when I asked you guys about a period of your life that was really uncertain, you both mentioned university. Georgina, you mentioned that you felt really uncertain after your first year of uni because you dropped out, didn't you? And Taylor, you mentioned after university that you felt really uncertain with what to do with your degree. So I kind of wanted to ask Georgina first, what exactly was it about your experience at uni that um, made you want to drop out? I mean, I was always quite academically gifted, not to sort of like blow my own trumpet, but I was always kind of like top of the class. I, I liked learning. Yeah. So for me, I kind of had these like expectations that because I'm actively choosing what I want to study, where I'm going, it was just going to be amazing. And I was going to love the whole experience. And I had like very high expectations for myself and what I wanted to do so when I got there it was just kind of reality hit and even even to like this day I still think going to university was quite the right thing for me to do I think just kind of trying to wrestle with that I mean the the main points as to why I didn't really like it was a I am a massive introvert and being thrown into halls was actually very stressful for me because I'm one of those people where I really need to recharge Mm. um, when I'm around people all the time and especially in a halls environment you've just got that one room that's yours and is sacred and I just felt like trapped in this room and I really didn't enjoy it and then I think as well I went to the University of Warwick it's quite a weird one it feels very much like the Truman Show where you've got everything within a 10 to 15 minute walk you do not need to leave campus yeah Um, my sister went to Warwick right which um which halls were you in oh I think it's called Westwood and it's like right out I don't know why I would know any other halls but the ones of my sister yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. and it's just one of those experiences where I just realized where you're situated is also very important because I just thought my main thing is I mean I, I had quite pushy parents and they're just kind of like this is the best university you've got an offer from doesn't matter that you preferred Sheffield over Warwick like you're going to the one that's better on the league tables Mm. um not quite take into account that actually I am someone who loves being in the city so going to quite a remote place it just wasn't the right thing for me and also which looking back was quite annoying when I was making my UCAS application I first of all wanted to do law and then thought no I'll actually just do like a conversion afterwards or something and then I wanted to do history and then my teacher was just like oh no like you should do politics and then just pick up a few history modules and because I wanted to work for the UN at that point I was kind of like swayed by the idea 
started studying politics of international relations and just thought what have I done like this is just the worst decision Fuck this I really yeah so I think it's just being at the the wrong university for me it was all about like what my parents really wanted rather than what I wanted and then also just studying something because it looks good on your CV if you want to do a specific yeah. job later in life rather than actually doing what I enjoyed and where I should have been yeah I totally get that because it's so yeah you're so right parents only see it as like an academic thing don't they they don't take into account the experience of university as a whole like when I look back on my university experience I barely even think about the education part of it it's much more (laughs) about the independence that I learned like the friendships that I made in terms of like that first chapter into adulthood it's so much more important to me that side of it than actually being educated also I didn't do that one in my degree so I think that's why I'm like (laughs) education (laughs) I partied hard but yeah no it's um it's you definitely need to like marry the two don't you you can't just have one or the other um are you an only child no so I'm the first uh born and I'm right person in sort of my immediate family to go to university Mm. which probably played into uh, my parents' expectations. And I've kind of spoken about this sometimes with friends. My parents, like, of course, they would compliment me on other things. But the the thing I was most complimented on as a child was, like, my academics. So what I was taught to value and what I would try and get praise from was the academic side of things. So when I then struggled at university and I'm like, this is meant to be my thing. Like, mm-hmm. why am I not enjoying it? it caused like a huge like identity crisis because that was really what I was taught to value most above all else as a child. And then as you're sort of reaching adulthood, you're like, oh, yikes, bit of a bit of a crisis here. Oh, God. So how far into your first year were you when you realised that it just wasn't for you? Um, I'd say by Christmas time. You know, when you have enough distance where you spend time at home and you just think, Mm, okay now like dreading going back yeah and I just thought no just get me out of here and even um so I had a boyfriend at the time who lived in Birmingham so he wasn't too far away and anytime I didn't have lectures I would just try and be there because I just hated being there I mean Taylor knows I had some really awful flatmates as well so that probably didn't but it wasn't like they were mean to me specifically they were just very odd and I was like oh like this is not my cup of tea like I ended up actually making friends with people who I went to school with like years prior but I'm glad I did do it because it was the first time really that I'd put my foot down to my parents and just said no like I've had enough now like I'm not persevering with something that is clearly making me miserable I needed that boundary I think between my parents and I so yeah yeah totally so um how did the conversation come about well so I was just like super depressed at university so by the time it came around to exams like one of them I did a writing and then the other one I failed so then I had to do a retake and I literally sat in the exam hall for the retake and I was just like I actually don't even care and I left early no investment at all yeah yeah so they were just like uh, so I got the email saying you can either like redo the year or like switch to another course and I just said like I actually just don't want to do either I said, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to go to university. I'd rather just do like a placement. I was looking at things like PwC that do like the school leaver programs. I just thought I'd just rather do that because this clearly isn't for me. Um, and then I said, look, what I think is probably the best idea. I just feel so drained from the whole, I think A-levels in general are very stressful. Yeah. Um, I felt like I hadn't had a time to breathe really since then. So I just said, let me find a job and work out what I want to do. 
and thankfully within a week I got a job so it worked out quite well but my mum being the sort of like pushy parent she is was like devastated and I think what probably was more upsetting for me is that she felt embarrassed for me and it was like she was embarrassed to tell people that I dropped out so I kind of I wasn't embarrassed like I just owned it but it's when the parents take on your embarrassment for you and then you just think like this is just something I don't need like who are you trying to prove who are you trying to please but yeah, yeah I think that you're was- at peace with your your decisions as well and you're really happy with it that must be really just frustrating that yeah over that year that I spent working it that was just I was trying to sort of build on that relationship with my mum and just saying like you don't have to have this perception of me like rather than having this like idealistic version of me in your head look at the child in front of you and try and marry the two because what you're doing is you're judging me by my idealistic version not my actual real version Mm. of myself um and I think she was like yeah do you know what you're right and then sort of since then like our relationship just improved loads so all very necessary to go for I think that's really good and also really really brave I think if I've been in that situation I've got a similar thing where my parents are very keen on me like going through the motions and doing all of the steps I think I would have really struggled to have that conversation with them so <laughs> yeah it genuinely was... really commend you <laughs> thank you thank you Taylor you mentioned after uni and the whole like graduate process so you did graphic design didn't you yeah and then was it after uni were you like obviously I've I've spent three or was it four years actually of your life dedicated to graphic design and you really felt like you needed to kind of pursue that career path because that's kind of what you'd set yourself up to do yeah it was it was a weird one because again I think I'm very similar to to Gina in the sense of one thing which I was praised on I suppose was my creative skills and my drawing and everyone was like oh I love I love your art that you do and all this sort of stuff so for me when it got to like to GHSEs I didn't know what to take and my teacher was like look you should do graphic design you're really good at it don't even know really what really what it was but then it sort of really led a path to then it was just what I was good at and I enjoyed so I just sort of took the ball around with it but then like as everyone knows in a creative course once you get to a, that next level it then opens up to like 50 million different levels because there are some people who are so shit hot and so good at what they do and there's some people who are just like I think I was like good enough to get on but I think my passion got sort of killed out of me because I was doing it for uni Mm. and then it got to out of it and I was like I didn't know what else I was just like yeah I'll just just do design it just makes sense because I've done a degree in it and it was like internship after internship and like all of them were unpaid uh, so I was working five days a week doing my internship and then Friday night and Saturday night working till four o'clock at a bar that money was then funding me to do my week's travel and eating and living a life as well I was very fortunate to work at quite some quite good places but when you work with big clients you're going by this is the this is the brand guidelines it needs to be two millimeters off the left or four minute four inches from the from the right and it, I don't know there's just no creativity there so yeah my my massive wobble as well like just came from I've had I feel like I've had a very bad luck with <laughs> very bad luck with jobs <laughs> as well because no matter what job I was I was getting or doing I was on like a contract and then in one job there was a huge restructure which meant that they got rid of everyone on the contract Um, and that was actually at Tesco before I rejoined and then obviously before this one I was um, at another place but then obviously this little pandemic happened and then I got made redundant from that 
And then I was just sort of on furlough for like months. I loved it. <laughs> got, got, got a sick tan. I just would sit in the garden all day. It was paying. Can't lie. I literally was glowing in my photos. Um, Love it. But I hated that, that, that job, which I was in before, I was like, the first time ever, like, I don't do stress. Like, stress just doesn't, I feel like I'm quite a resilient person. Mm. But like that job previously, just like the micromanagement and my creative director had some weird like hatred against me <laughs> like he absolutely hated me I was account management and to be honest it results back to the day where I, it was like my first week and we had like a summer party I beat him in a tug of war because he tried at me he was like you or you <laughs> in the tug of war and I literally beat I literally was like fuck like that because I'm not gonna let him win yeah obviously <laughs> and then after that he, he was like hate- fuck this guy it was a vendetta. It was literally like... No way, really? ridiculous. But yeah, it got to the point where it was so stressful. Like I got like signed off for like a week. So then when the pandemic hit, even by, before that point, I was like looking for excuses to stay at home. Mm. And then as soon as there was like murmurs of, a, of the coronavirus, I was like, I don't feel safe coming into London. <laughs> I think I'm going to work at home. And they couldn't say anything. And so then I got furloughed and I was like, peng months away from stress fair enough oh my god I feel like we've had very very similar experiences in our in our job because my boss was exactly the same she absolutely despised me <laughs> she just like went out of her way to make my life a living hell and I'm exactly the same as you like I don't think of myself as a stressed out person but yeah it does it really like it grinds you down after a while doesn't it and it really really takes a toll I I think I made peace with that I don't know what your experience is but I felt actually really insecure because you're not you know if it was 10 years down the line and I had quite an established career I'd be like yeah I'm fucking sick whatever but because it was only my second job and my first boss was also a massive prick I did have a real like level of insecurity where it was like oh god like maybe it is me like maybe I am just really crap at my job and maybe everyone does hate me and want me out and so I it took me such a long time to get over that insecurity to be like oh no this is actually on them like it's obviously them they are intimidated or whatever so they've obviously got their own issues that they're projecting Mm. on me and it's nothing to do with me and my workload at all like did you have to have that same kind of conversation with yourself fully like I think one of my biggest I think well I mean Gina would put it down to probably being my horoscope and my zodiac um (laughs) okay and, and also to be fair like I don't know if you've ever done that 16 personalities thing yes um, I have yeah but my weakness in both my horoscope and my um thing is that I've got fluctuating self-esteem and like I, I don't have like a lot of confidence in my abilities or like confidence in myself so that in the workplace in literally every single job like since yeah, I've, I've been in like five, six different roles, I think, since graduating. And every single one, every time I've had that feedback, it's like, back yourself more. You need to have a lot more faith in yourself. And all sorts of stuff, because I've just got this, one of my bosses said that I set my bar up here when I shouldn't, I shouldn't even be expecting myself to get there. Like, at my level, I should only be here, but I've set my bar too high almost. So I'm always going to... You never live up to your expectation or you'd constantly feel like you're failing kind of thing. Yeah, but, Yeah, but it's my own expectation. But then in that job, I think as well, like, it's one of the ones where you know when you, you double guess yourself and you double question yourself. When the whole Black Lives Matter thing, hap- uh, that movement happened in in June, I was still employed by the company, and I had to fight like literally like tooth and nail to get them to post up something like because we we're like an independent agency, and I was like, "Are you going to put a, a statement up? Anything about that, whatever?" And the resistance was from certain people. 
Mm. And like certain people have made it a bit difficult for me. Like, and then I started thinking about back about other moments which we've had at work and stuff like that, where I've started going like, but was that a microaggression? And then I, like, do you know what I mean? And I don't know if I then started overthinking things naturally. But then like I was the only I was the only black person that they hired. And I'd been the only apparently I'd been the only black person they had for ages as well. So I oh, okay. And I don't know, I don't know if I just was becoming so much more aware of my own identity at that point anyway, that mm. I was maybe seeing this thing. But I was a bit like, I was a bit like, I'm literally the only person of colour in this in this, like the only person of colour in this whole studio. Not like not no one like Asian. Literally, only person of colour. No, I do think I know exactly how you feel and I totally get where you're coming from. I think it is more than just mere coincidence. Um, did you manage to have any kind of face-off, I guess, when, you're, when you left that toxic environment? I had literally, I had this like lift. They were like, we're going to have an exit interview and all this sort of stuff. They were like hyping it up and I was thinking, they're like, you could, like, it's just a good time to get a bit of FaceTime before we leave. And I was thinking buzzing I was like I had literally that point everything explained so many things which I'd felt and all that sort of stuff and we had like this really they were like oh this is just a quick catch-up call just see how you are blah blah like obviously I know your contract ends today but we'll have your our actual interview like next week or whatever and I was like yeah yeah cool no worries just never happened <laughs> no I, like, I feel like I feel things really intensely in the moment and then once I was out of it and I was in a new job and I was really happy I was like, oh, do you know what? It's just, it's not worth bringing not up. Not worth again. it, exactly. But I saw like, as in when I was on furlough, no one no one rang me to see if I was all right. I really felt my value from the way they treated me in the last few months anyway. So I was a bit like, I can't, then three months of furlough, I really like just got over it. And I just sort of moved on, I think. Yeah, like made peace with, with it and just were like, yeah. they're not worth your time. Then, especially when I like moved on to like a better job, a different type of job back at Tesco, which I like love working out beforehand so I was kind of a bit like well I've literally won in every situation here so what is the point of me holding on to my sadness mm. um, something that I think this brings us on nicely to is I'm talking about role models in your life and that idea of like resilience because you mentioned that one of your best friends as one of your role models and I just thought it was like such an incredible thing and would love for you to just chat a little bit more about that if you don't mind yeah, so one of my like really close friends, like last year, was like diagnosed with cancer. She's like twenty five years old, like well, our age even. She's like one of them energies that is like the the brightest thing in the room. Like no matter like wh- whatever room you're in, and she's there. She's literally just like this huge bright ball of energy. Like she's amazing. And to go through it with her and like the diagnosis and like the whole journey mm. and seeing it all, and then like just the way that she sort of just went at it and that she just went to chemo and she just powered through and she just kept being really positive and she would be she would have been completely entitled to I would have been very like but why is this happening to me but why is this why like and I'm feeling very angry at the world but she just took it on took it in a stride and just just made cancer its bitch like and I just loved it and I think as well the worry of losing someone that you love so much so young it really inspired me just to really like look at myself and go like actually like if I if there's things which I want to do I'm not gonna hold back on doing it just because I'm thinking oh what will they think or whatever because it is like one of the really cliche things you don't realize how actually like short life can be and when you get yeah thrown like something so major in your life so early on 
she just she just really inspired me. I think that was one of the moments where I was like, actually, just, and it has inspired. Like I've I've taken up so many more things now, which I wouldn't have done because I would have been worried about what other people thought. But now I'm like, yeah. actually, oh, I don't care. I really don't care. Yeah, um, I love that. You don't even realise, do you, how much you stop yourself from enjoying your life or just like pursuing things that you actually love just because you're so worried about other people's opinions. And then you're just like, I'm just wasting so much time and energy on people who don't actually probably give a shit about me anyway. <laughs> you're like, oh God, like even, even, I don't know if you guys had this, but even for me starting this podcast, it took me six to eight months to actually muster up the courage yeah. and the energy to do it because I because I kept like being such a loud mouth I was like oh yeah like when I see people like yeah I've got this like podcast I'm thinking about doing and then like I see them two months later and they're like what what's going on with this podcast and I was like hey yeah it's in the pipeline guys and I was just like so nervous to actually do it even though I knew that I really really wanted to because I was like oh but what if people are like who does this girl think she is and, da, da, da. and then I was like Number one, people are so egotistical. They only think about themselves anyway. Like, why would they be spending time thinking about me? And two, like, if it makes me happy and only my mum listens to this goddamn podcast, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But it's so weird how we become so debilitated by those things. So it's amazing that you had someone like that in your life that could just kind of give you probably that, like, extra bit of courage to just fucking attack life. I definitely think, like, it's an age thing as well. I think when you're... So, like so long like 17 18 it is one of the ones you care so much about what other people yeah. think and then going through university or even the working world like you learn so much about yourself and your own identity and stuff like that I do think like there is everyone's going to have that point where they go actually do you know what I really don't care mm. and it just comes at different stages for people and I think that was my thing that pushed me into the world of uncaring into the world of uncaring I like that I like a that great lot. place to be <laughs> it is a great place to be um Georgina you mentioned your mum as your role model and I feel like that's really interesting because you've spoken a little bit about your relationship with your parents already so yeah I just like to know kind of how or and why I guess uh your mum is your role model it's funny you mentioned that as well because as uh I was anticipating (laughs) that question um I was thinking with my relationship with my mum and and just my parents in general I think as you get older you sort of take them off of their pedestal and appreciate them for the flawed human beings that they are Mm. so I feel like I can constructively criticize my mum but then still take inspiration from her in in the same vein if you like because I understand that she is a human at the end of the day yeah Um, perfectly imperfect exactly and Saying that actually, I probably would also include my dad because he probably bore more of the brunt of sort of my parents' uh, decision to um, kind of operate a household in the way that they did. So my mum's the sole breadwinner. Um, My dad gave up work when I was three. He used to work uh, for like Parcel Line, which is basically like DHL. And their decision was they wanted to have at least one parent at home and my dad being the person who was earning less at that time was just like yeah cool I'll do it and anyone who like knows my dad he's a proper like cotton geezer like what you'd say like very hyper masculine if you know <laughs> what I mean like Phil Mitchell vibes yeah and so it was like this weird thing where you had this man who was kind of like going yeah you're right showing up at the school gates and then you'd have my mum who was start, you know started out in investment banking and was having to 
you know, break those glass ceilings for herself. And, you know, she didn't go to university. She left school at 16 and has now worked her way up to uh, managing director. It was really refreshing, I think, just to have the woman being the breadwinner, but then equally my dad being home and present. And it allowed me, I think, to have, um, like, in general, I feel like I have quite positive relations with, like, the female gender and the male gender because my dad was really the one who was there day in day out with me and he was providing more like emotional support than what my mum would and then my mum's there being like no here's how you do things and she would sort of put that hat on so so it's nice but I think going back to my mum she is just she always gets called like a rough diamond which is probably the the best way to describe her but she she's very like unapologetic my family are Irish but she comes from Broadwater Farm in Tottenham which is like a very rough estate and I think especially with a an industry like banking as much as people don't want to acknowledge it class plays into it quite a lot and it's probably also something that I dealt with where I'd gone from like a normal school into a private school where my mum wasn't ashamed of her class she wasn't ashamed of where she'd come from and to really take pride in myself and my identity and it's my mum's ability to do that I think that has allowed her just to be a very transparent person very open-minded person um, that people warm to so I've tried to embody her in those ways and just be unapologetically me. That's such a great thing to have at such an early age for sure because I think I really struggle with that as well being a kid who went to a private school but was like on bursaries and scholarships and mm-hmm. I think I really had that like feeling of like insecurity of like oh god all my friends have got all these like nice things around me and I'm not I don't live up to or like my life isn't quite the same as theirs and like for you to have someone in your life that is like completely own it own your identity that's really powerful for yeah, sure so shout out to my mum for that <laughs> shout out to mums <laughs> <laughs> Uh, You also spoke about things that you guys felt uncertain about right now. And one of them for you, Georgina, was having children. I thought this is so interesting. No one's actually spoken about this before. So I'm so intrigued to hear you talking about it. Yeah, I think um, I've always kind of been someone who marches to the sound of their own drum. And I'm quite happy to, to do things and don't really care what anyone has to say about it. But really... I think it's been a long time coming because when I was nine, I was diagnosed with an underactive thyroid, which is um, autoimmune disease. And I was told at that age, like, when you eventually do try and have kids, there may be some issues. You may need some like hormonal help with that. And then I was told at age 20, I believe that I've got polycystic ovaries, so PCOS. So I always remember in, before that point, at least in school, when I'd say to my friends, oh yeah, I've got hypothyroidism and they say that might be difficult for me to have kids I used to just like scoff and be like that's fine so I don't want kids anyway and they'd just be like you can't say that you can't say that I was like well I don't like I have absolutely no desire but I just kind of put it down to being a teenager and obviously not wanting a kid when you're like 14 15 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like I'd been in long-term relationships where to me I just would always think that was always something that they'd had in mind to have kids. And it was never really a desire I felt. It was more to like please them, I guess, and and to please my mum. And although it was way off in the future, if that that was ever to be a thing, it was always always just kind of like, but do I really want that though? And you know, you sort of go through those exercises where people would say, oh, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? 
like when people would say oh you know I want to be married with kids a dog have a nice house I would listen to that and be like I couldn't think of anything more depressing like <laughs> I, I I genuinely it's not what I want for myself yeah and I think as well just I, I feel like I know myself very well and although you, know, you can never say never I just think that it would be morally wrong for me to bring a child into this world for purely selfish reasons when I was doing like pros and cons um, I literally was writing out on my phone like the pros and cons of having a kid my my reasons were all to do with me like you know it's, it's a an amazing experience you know you have company you have someone to look after you into old age these are all things to do with me my legacy and my own selfish reasons essentially and I just thought that's not a good enough reason for me to bring a child into this world and so I've kind of made peace of it now like obviously I could change my mind but I think I feel more empowered to actually say it aloud I think even saying it sort of on a platform like this is definitely a first step but I just I'm such an advocate for being as selfish as you can in certain areas of your life where you know the the alternate situation would to actually be hurting someone else I think even like with my childhood like it was never quite like normal it was always against the grain like having the mum working my dad at home yeah Um, so I've never really had an issue with like doing things against the grain in that way but I think just feeling empowered to to say it aloud and say do you know what this isn't for me this is what I've been taught to want I've been taught to want marriage I've been taught to want to be a mother and that's actually not what I want in an ideal world. I'd you know, have a partner, ideally, and I'd be traveling the world and running a business. And that's what provides me with contentment, not raising a child. I'm happy to be an aunt. I'm happy to be a godmother. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's uh, where my limit is. And I think just knowing that I've done a lot of self-reflecting over lockdown because <laughs> I live alone as well. So there's a lot of time to, you know, sit within yeah, with your own thoughts. And I thought, you know what? I couldn't think of anything worse right now. So yeah, <laughs> that's that's why I stand on child rearing. <laughs> no, it's so like refreshing though because you're so right. We literally even now we 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 grow up with these like societal expectations, don't we? And like there's a view of femininity, and that is being maternal, like rearing children and all of this stuff. And it's like actually no, that that is obviously amazing for people who want that and have wanted that their whole lives. But you can have a really fulfilling life doing a hundred other things that don't involve the house and the wife and kids and all of that stuff as well so yeah it shouldn't it shouldn't be such a like groundbreaking thing like hopefully in like 10 years I'll be like yeah obviously we're not also I guess like environmentally we shouldn't really be having lots of kids right now anyway (laughs) I think it was really interesting that you said that the selfish reasons that's nothing which I've never really thought about it in uh, I've not thought about it like that either is there any like selfless reasons do you know what I mean especially right now like the context in which we live in the world is fucked (laughs) like if you think about it really you're so right when I actually reflect on it it is quite selfish. I have never been asked if I want kids. Yeah. Or if it's never been a conversation which I've I've had to face. It's, it's just not it's just not a thing. Whereas I can I know even at work or whatever, just coincidentally, all my team are women. The conversation has come up like here and there, being like, "Oh, do you want kids?" But that's never been it's never directed to me. So yeah. I, I, I think it is weird. And also that you feel like you almost have to defend your answer. Like the answer just can't be enough. It's like, oh, I I don't want them for this reason and this reason. It's like, actually, you're completely within 
your yeah. right to say no. I, I always remember like one kids yeah like I don't know if you ever had like tumblr back in the day oh but... did I <laughs> guys you want to know what my tumblr name is oh god this Go is on. so embarrassing because if it still exists I'm fucked <laughs> it was um I was obsessed with this band what were they called Oh, naked was it naked and famous and it was um I made it like I loved making things the lyrics of songs mm-hmm. so mine was passive but with like lots of eyes like passive, passive. aggressive <laughs> oh. I know I know fair, I have to my... live with that every day Jeez, yeah. I, had, I, I don't know who I thought I was I replaced all of the vowels in my name with a hashtag <laughs> Those are a hashtag which is so weird. I don't know why. Hey, dollar sign. Yeah. <laughs> I was there first. <laughs> oh, Tumblr. Tumblr was kind of the OG, like maybe even Instagram. Kind of, you know, like for that. Yeah. Meme, I feel like Tumblr. Definitely. Tumblr was there first, guys. And I think even just kind of some of the like rhetoric that we now would associate as like sort of SJW speak. A lot of it originated from Tumblr, and. One of the things I always took from this quote I saw on Tumblr was no is a complete sentence. And so I'd hear that and think, hmm, like I quite like the sound of that. I think it's, you know, a good point. And so when people then do ask me, like, why don't you want kids? Me saying, because I don't want to. That to me is now a complete sentence. Magdra. Yeah. yeah like, see ya. I, I, don't, I don't have to sit there and justify my, yeah. my life plans to someone at the end of the day. To, to them, it's just out of pure nosiness and curiosity rather than any, like, goodwill towards me. It's just mm. something for them to, like, think about and maybe gossip about. And I just think... Yeah. Also, if you have underlying health conditions, it's, you know, that there's a lot more to it than just wanting to have kids or not. It's like you actually could be putting yourself I, at mm, risk, right? I actually, I, I actually got um, called out once. I was talking to one of my friends at work. He, he had one son. And I said to him, I was like, are you planning on having any more? Like, is that what, like, is that in your plan or whatever? But he sort of just sort of was like, to be fair, like, yeah, we would like one, but you shouldn't, he was like, just a bit of advice that you shouldn't really ask people. And it like, threw me off so much. I was like, oh, okay. He was like, I'm not getting at you or anything like that, but you don't know people's circumstances. You don't know um, whether people, if people want them, if they don't want them, um, you don't know if they can, can't have them. And he was like, it's just one of them things where you've got to be really careful about what you are because you don't know what people are going through behind closed doors. Mm, so I now yeah. won't ask. I do think that conversation as well is changing and evolving because something that's kind of tied to that is like obviously women having miscarriages. And I think for a really long time, that has never been spoken about. You have to be really sensitive. And I think I'm really similar in that I've maybe not been anywhere near as thoughtful as I should have about that topic because we're always just like oh kids like as though it's a fun topic but actually it can be really emotional and also like it's really easy like as you said like people are like people try for years and it's the it's what society is sort of forged is the idea of like like marriage is easy kids are easy getting good jobs easy this sort of image that we're sold of life is like everything's just going to come these are all attainable things to you yeah Mm -hmm. well actually it's, it's a struggle like especially in the world we're in now it's quite hard to get it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Taylor, you, when talking about uncertainty and what you feel most uncertain about today, mentioned um, coming out and the conversation that you have to have with people. I just wanted to know a little bit more about that and your experience of, of coming out and, yeah. and, and that conversation. 
yeah we'll see <laughs> I, was, I was like oh the uncertainty about coming out like i am out obviously like <laughs> I'll yeah. um but when like i sort of read the questions that was one thing which i i saw somewhere twitter instagram or something like that it was maybe it's twitter actually and there's a tweet which was saying that the thing which people don't get when you come out is that it's not just like a one-time thing it's not like in when you watch like on a netflix original where they have this one thing and then everyone knows do you know what i mean you have to do it so many times and i feel like i'm not someone on the surface potentially that you'd be able to assume my sexuality i don't i don't it's yeah. even just saying that in a sentence is a weird thing to say do you know what i mean yeah yeah but i think i've had a few recoils when i go like oh, i went on a, a, a date with this guy and they've gone a guy yeah they're like Are you gay and i'm like yeah yeah and it's just that awkward like yeah i don't understand it but maybe that's just because the way that i look at it is that my sexuality is is part of my identity but it's not a i don't make it my whole thing it's not one of the main things that i think because it's it's just it's a weird thing i cringe out when like even some of my boys are like oh yeah fuck this girl when i fuck this girl like i just think it's cringe like it's not Mm -hmm. part it's not part of my personality it's a really hard thing for me to talk about as well because i don't i feel like there's the conversations of having to have it and then people also feel they're kind of more entitled to have to ask really quite evasive questions yeah I can imagine and then that's another thing that I really hate actually is that assumption that all gay people are really vulgar especially talking about sex yeah or like there's like the stereotype that they all sleep around and Mm. they do this and this and this and And I'm like I'm like oh would you be asking me this if it was like yeah and the thing is like when I sat with girls and I was like straight back then I didn't I didn't get them questions then and I think that is a thing like coming to terms with it all and then I've said like so many times, like I've been, I've been so fortunate and so lucky that I've not had a single bad experience or bad response or anything like that. But I think there was like that sort of the nervousness of it and all these questions and stuff like that was something which made me not really want to come out because I didn't want to face it. A bit like standoffish, like, oh, why are you like crying? I'm I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you about all this sort of, I don't know. These are my, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, sorry, that wasn't a very articulate answer. But <laughs> no, 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 I totally understand. I think. Um, did you watch? I may destroy you. Yes, because I thought that was really interesting. The way that, um, like, you know, the kind of storylines play out simultaneously, don't they? And like yeah. for Kwame, he is treated completely differently to Michaela's character. I can't yeah. remember the name of now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when um, they're inter- like the police are interrogating him, and they're like, "Oh, grinder," and it's like the tone promis- which that they're using is like yeah, there's like a promiscuity like it's so, like, exactly yeah for being unsafe yeah no completely mm, which i thought was um was really interesting and it again it's a, it kind of almost ties into um georgina and having kids but it's like so interesting like the the preconceptions that everybody has isn't it? it's like it's so interesting that i would like never shout out the roof or like every conversation be like oh i'm heterosexual by the way or like do you know and it's like i would never and it's like why yeah. would we expect that from people of different sexualities that like yeah. have to constantly have because that must be really tiring and it's the same with georgina like having to kind of preface everything like i don't want to have kids it's like we just need to like do let th- things lie. <laughs> I do think I do think it comes like a natural overcompensate. Like some people naturally overcompensate and try to make it so overtly obvious mm. in a sort of stereotypical in a, in a societal sort of structure. They make it quite stereotypical to avoid having that conversation because it is it's a really tough thing. Like because it's like accepting that you're it's not only just accepting you're kind of going against like societal norms and stuff like that, 
but for me the thing which i really struggled with is the idea of like meeting people it's it just makes it make it does make things so much harder like if i like i personally do want to be a dad at some point mm. it's like even just that whole thing it just makes that situation like if if my brother and his girlfriend want to have kids they could just have that conversation decide and then they're almost like one step further and closer to that sort of thing whereas with me it'll be like i have to have the financials i have to be in a committed relationship before I could adopt or get a surrogate. Like, do you know what I mean? There's so many more mm. obstacles in my way. Unfortunately, I think that the time that I sort of came to understanding about my sexuality and stuff like that, I could sort of secretly <laughs> date on Tinder and stuff like that without people knowing. And again, like, it's the idea of the moment once you do accept it, you know that everyone's going to be interested in your life because it's ab- because it's abnormal. Mm. So, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, like going against the grain or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So then people, and then you open up with these questions. So it's a bit like a cycle. Cycle. Mm. Uh, have you watched Shit's Creek? No. Everyone keeps telling me I need to watch it. My dad is obsessed with it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's class. I, I I loved it, and I've watched that during lockdown. And again, I think this is something which I've got so much more comfortable in, like my sexuality and my identity and stuff like that. But the reason why that program is so good is because it shows love between two men completely unproblematic if you watch any other tv program there's promiscuity like someone's cheated or there's like there's just always that drama whereas that just shows actual just pure love a happy relationship no tough tussles or tiffs or anything mm-hmm. like that and it's just like well like coming just, out is like the main storyline yeah or, it's yeah, just, yeah they have a really nice analogy in it because i think the one of the gen, one of the characters in it is pansexual and like he's in the wine store with his friend because he's just slept with his female friend and she's like oh I didn't know you drink you drank red and he was like I do drink red but I also drink white (laughs) and I'd also drink a pale rosé as well and like the communication they're having is just through the wine but they're like it puts everything just into such clear terms it just really deals with the right conversation in the right way in a way that actually brings a lot of comfort and actually makes people think actually do you know what like it's actually fine to be how they are yeah Yeah. just like fully accepting yeah yeah yeah. love that god I am definitely gonna need to watch it because it won all those Emmys this year as well so yeah yeah, my my housemate started watching it honestly maybe the beginning of this year so yeah it's only been a a matter of weeks and then like last week she's like already finished I was like aren't there like six seasons of this she just like Mm. smashed it but I guess it's like oh my god yeah I know she has she's very good at (laughs) <laughs> but yeah she loved it and actually said really really similar things to to you about like just how they handle certain topics as well which I thought was really interesting let's talk about music guys obviously <laughs> <laughs> so um I something that I really like about your podcast is how you talk about music and how it's had an instrumental part in the pun part in your life and how it's helped to form your identity. So I wanted to ask you guys, what is the first song or album that like made its mark on you in your life? We've had an episode for this. <laughs> um, I think I may have listened to it. That's why I want to see if you say the same thing. <laughs> in the episode, we discussed quite a bit about how it's quite hard to maybe pinpoint one particular album mm. that forms you. Because I think identity forms in so many different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine would probably be, um, so I kind of listed three to begin with, but i say out of those, it would probably be Original Pirate Material by The Streets. Um, I think, I said in the episode, like the kind of 
perception I had of myself, of my class, and just all things to do with my identity. It was the first time I'd really heard something like that. And also, typically, before that point, a lot of what I'd consume would be like American music or Irish music. Um, And it was the first album for me that felt so distinctly British and of the sort of British working class experience. Uh, So that was probably the one for me that's probably like stuck with me the most out of my childhood, I think. What was your first... CD that you guys had or tape Ooh. did I have a tape I did oh I know what my first tape was I know what my first tape was it was Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus oh that's <laughs> really cool I, <laughs> I actually remember that oh my god great so cool. I remember I remember buy I remember actively the first one I remember actively buying myself <laughs> go on it was a hearsay but it was like one of the really rogue ones. It was like, it was a song called Everybody when Kim Marsh had left. I think that was the first one I remember actively buying. But as I said, like my relationship with Hearsay <laughs> growing up. <laughs> we could go on about that for, a long, for a long time. <laughs> That's a whole episode in itself. <laughs> whole series. Yeah, yeah, whole series. Um, yeah no, I, I used to always buy singles as well. That would be my thing. Like I never bought albums because... I had this weird obsession about the charts and stuff like that. And I used to always really want to buy singles because I knew it would help the artists get to number one. <laughs> wow. You okay. were OG Stan. You were I, Stan. I don't, I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> I, I knew that number one was... Because I used to watch Top of the Pops every Friday. Yeah, I loved it. Um, so I used to have like a real affinity to the charts and stuff like that, which makes sense about <laughs> music taste now. But yeah. <laughs> very true, very true. I remember, um, but I don't think that I bought this for myself, but I think for Christmas I got busted a present for everyone as a present. And I remember being... I love that! Oh, oh, my God. oh my God, I love that. Were you, were you busted on McFly? So busted. Because so, also I shared a birthday with Matt. So I was like, uh, oh my God, we have this thing that bonds us. I'm not going to lie. Don't yeah. McFly is so much better than Busted. But then no. I say that and now I probably listen to way more McFly. Like, Sorry's not good enough for me. I think for me, especially at that age, I just used to have like the biggest crush on, who's the one with the big eyebrows? Charlie from mm. Busted. Oh, yeah. And I was just kind of like, oh, like the, the McFly kind of dorking. I think because even their name comes from Marty McFly back in to, like, the, back future. To the future. So I was kind of like, ugh. And so I, I, I thought, like, just Charlie just seemed, like, way cooler. He was cool, yeah. He was yeah. so cool. And he's a drummer, and you're just like, oh, my God, he's such a bad boy. Yeah. But then he tried to do his own solo career, and I was like... And it was a... No. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just didn't take off, did it? No. Mm-mm. Poor guy. Not and the then Beyonce they did busted, which was a pretty rogue move, I've got to say. Yeah, it was. Wasn't I fun. wasn't here for it, but, you know... No. <laughs> Um, you guys obviously set up your podcast beginning of last year how did that conversation come about obviously you both like love music but how did you guys have that conversation that was like shall we combine this and make it into a podcast Mm. I think the the first time I remember correct me if I'm wrong Taylor is you and I went to Nando's and Mm. what Taylor and Nando's (laughs) every story (laughs) set the scene Nando's (laughs) (laughs) Um, <laughs> lemon and herb <laughs> medium thank you <laughs> so so we were like sat there and it was taylor who brought it up i mean we, we'd always talk about music over text or in person and it was taylor who sort of said like you know, we should just do a podcast like why not and i was like yeah do you know what? actually it's quite a good idea but that was in 
the March or April of the year prior. So like you said, we've got the sort of six months or so in between like the sort of idea and then actually getting the ball rolling. We had the same thing where we're just kind of like, oh, should we do it? Humming and ahhing, yeah. But yeah, I think it was just more initially, at least for like purely selfish reasons, just having a specific outlet for us to to like talk to each other in that way and mm. and like just get a bit about music exactly and just embrace our friendship in that way i guess mm. yeah it's it's definitely like we've we've been friends for like what 12 maybe 12 years now something yeah. like that like such a long time and it's definitely brought us close like ridiculously close but it's always been something which we always kind of we've always loved music we'd always be i remember always being like oh you should listen to this song or you should listen to this song so we always had that kind of relationship, like going through things. And I don't even remember listening to a podcast before we even started recording one. So I don't know. I don't know why I thought about like, <laughs> really recording one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is one of the ones where it's it's so nice having. And I'm sure it's probably very similar with you. Like it's nice like, listening back, and then you could kind of remember how you felt at that time when you were talking about certain things. Mm. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's it's been we obviously we started it pre-pandemic just before, but it's absolutely saved it saves 2020 for me, I think. And I felt it felt quite like a natural extension of our friendship. Like it didn't feel like where sometimes you might have a podcast where you don't necessarily like have that rapport or like history with someone. Um it really just felt like quite a seamless transition for us both, I think. Apart from like the logistics of it all, it was all very mm. much like what we would speak about normally anyway yeah so it was just like it was just the logistics part that was really all to do and the rest with the rest like the chemistry everything was already there yeah oh yeah and you definitely get a sense of that being like an external person listening to it thank you and it's it's defo um a nice lockdown gift for sure so as we wrap up the podcast one thing that I always ask people two things you've kind of probably touched on one of them already but First thing I ask is one thing that you feel uncertain about right now. Yeah, so mine's probably my career and definitely even just doing this podcast and having the time to self-reflect this year. I've always had these kind of peaks and troughs, if you like, in my life. And it's at those troughs where like I kind of come to a crossroad and I think I can either stay down that same path and make myself unhappy or I can make the bold choice and nine times out of 10, it works out quite well for me, but it's just that initial you know, putting your finger out and getting it done type thing. And I think it's with the podcast, like I, where like, I envision myself like years down the line, like working in investment banking, isn't what I want to be doing. It's not my passion. Like I'm good at it, but it's not what I want to be doing. So I'm just trying to find the right role I think for me that would allow me to incorporate my love of music and then also so within like compliance I deal more with like communications so if there was something like crisis communications for like artists like a consultancy type thing um, I'd love to be doing that and so I'm just trying to do things now I guess to to build those blocks um for later on in life um but it's just kind of that uncertainty now where you're in that that middle point. Like you've got you've got your A, you've got your B, but then it's just that kind of bit in between where you're kind of like, um, okay, so this feels very awkward and you just go through those growing pains. Um, I think it's just like nervousness, I guess, towards the future. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And Taylor, I saw you just before that, you were like really <laughs> look, you were looking so like pensive. 
Yeah. <laughs> Am I uncertain about? I don't know. I feel like I'm very comfortable and I'm very happy in my job at the moment. It fulfills me in a different way. I I'm not waking up being like, oh fuck, I've got work. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> um, okay. But then I I have I have no. I think this is something which I've sort of said beforehand in the sense of like, I've got no, not I've got no aspiration, but I just don't know what I want. I don't know what my purpose is. So I don't, I've just kind of taken everything as it goes, like with like career wise, um, things outside of like work. So like the podcast, amazing if that grows. If not, it's an amazing outlet. My wrestling, which I, <laughs> I've taken up wrestling, professional wrestling. Oh my uh, God, what? I didn't know this. Yeah, it's, it's only been a very recent thing. And it's like, if that goes really well, and I'm like really gifted and talented at that, which I'm probably not, um, then it's like, cool. Do you get again there. your thing where you're like, oh deprecation, God, stop it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been amazing, um, that's It's going to be great. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the uncertainty is like what my future is. Like I, mm. I, gen- I generally couldn't tell you, if I looked into a year into the future, I couldn't even... Even like six months into the future, I couldn't tell you where what where my head's going to be, what I'm going to be doing. So, yeah, it's probably, maybe I'm uncertain about everything. Maybe yeah. I'm not pensive like what am I uncertain? Maybe it's everything. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a blessing and a curse, isn't it? In like the generation that we've grown up in, which is like we're that multi hyphenate. I talk, I've spoken about this before, but in a way, it's really good because you're like, oh well, I can try and fail at a hundred different jobs, and it doesn't really matter. Like I don't need to assign myself one thing for the rest of my life mm-hmm. and there's not maybe the same pressure that our parents have which is like I will be a teacher for the next 50 years of my life but yeah. at the same time there's almost too much I guess opportunity that it's like I guess you just kind of have to yeah have the patience to try and fail or just yeah attempt everything and see what sticks and what doesn't um, I'm, I'm excited in a few years time like in like 15 years time say like to be able to look back and be like oh fuck do you remember when we did this or do you remember when I tried that like I can't wait to have them stories so I feel like my wrestling thing's gonna be one of them ones where I'm gonna be like I could be I could be re- headlining Wrestlemania in like 15 years time being like oh do you remember when I was doing the, the new I'm Dwayne like, The Rock Johnson it's gonna be amazing could be could be I'm excited to think like oh like looking back being like god why did we do that or like oh I'm happy we did that or like if we didn't do this, it wouldn't have done that. Like, I'm, I'm excited yeah, for Yeah, you never know where those little things are going to lead you to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or it could be presented at the Brit Awards. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Heard it here first. Heard it here first. <laughs> Maybe I'll be playing this clip back to you when you're at the Brits. Like, remember when you said this 10 years ago? We're manifesting no. it, boy. Manifest. <laughs> Manifest that motherfucker. And what do you guys feel most certain about right now? Ooh. Probably my identity I guess like I feel so sure in myself I feel like I know exactly who I am I don't have any questions on like sexuality like I guess right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the different things like I had like a bit of a phase where um where like obviously I've grown up here but then like my background is like my family's Irish like I always kind of had this like like weird like am I British or Irish type thing and I didn't quite fit into either like you're you're seen as I think it's it's true of a lot of like first generation second generation um children like you don't quite fit into like the British stereotype you don't quite fit into the Irish one you're not really seen as owned by either 
So I went through a bit of a phase of that, but I feel like comfortable with all of that now. And I think just um, it's allowed me to be like way more assertive in a lot of my personal relationships. I think people can take advantage of you when you, you aren't certain of yourself, you're not sure of yourself. And so now I feel like just emotionally equipped to, to deal with that, I guess. Oh, that's, that's a good answer. That's a very yeah. good answer. No problem, <laughs> Taylor. <What's> your... <laughs> well, uh, uh, no, yeah, I definitely say I'm very certain of my identity from this from last year as well. Like, um, as I mentioned, loads of stuff in like our Black Lives Matter episode. Um, so I think that's been a thing. But I think one thing which I'm certain on is like my determination just to do things that I want to do and do things which make me happy and not kind of feeling bad about it mm. um not feeling bad like even when everything opens up and we could do things I'm just going like actually no I don't want to do that and not being afraid to I'm very comfortable with my relationships which I've got I'm very lucky that I've got so many amazing friends around me and if I do, I'm gonna stop feeling less guilty about if I've not seen them in three months it's not an issue like and the people my my people will understand it sort of thing so I think that's probably the thing I'm certain about like just how I'm going to go into the future and my relationships and whatever I want to do I'm going to do it for yeah. myself but with you Taylor people. like if you ask Taylor like, oh like what's your like weekend looking like you'll be like oh I'm seeing this person this day I'm seeing that person that day like he never actually takes time for himself it's always like he's he's always got someone booked in the diary somewhere it's like impossible to try and see him <laughs> and you rarely ever hear Taylor going I'm just gonna chill today I don't think I've actually ever heard it Mm, we're so similar yeah I I'm like that and I always just feel I'm the same I felt really guilty if I uh to turn down plans yeah and I I think I have a bit of a thing where I I do need to constantly be doing things but now I um will be like oh I can be doing something but it could be like having a bath and having some Mm. (laughs) some me tab or like instead of being like I have to go out and like have drinks with my mates I think yeah it's I did see I did see, see one of the annoying tweets of being like normalize this but it was like it was like normalize it if <laughs> it was like if 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 me chilling at home it, it, watching tv is me being busy then let that me be let that be me be being busy sort of yeah completely just like yeah just putting yourself first really isn't it yeah if i want to go to the gym and do that on my day off i'm gonna do that i'm not gonna come down to London and do this and do that etc etc so yeah unapologetic I love it I love it guys thank you so much um thank you for having us thank you such a great convo I feel like I've learned a lot I feel like it feels like therapy even when I was thinking about well, even when I was thinking about some of the questions I was literally like I actually unlocked a part of my identity which I thought about when I was like so that is the reason why I'm like this. Like, honestly, I, and I didn't even get to touch on it in the episode. But like, Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, like, you're going to have to come back. Oh, yeah, that's, that's for <laughs> the first two. and yeah. second, I guess. Yeah. No, but it is what it, like, it's like therapy. But yeah, thank you so much for having us. Though. Like, no, honestly, thank really, you. Really, really enjoyed it. I, I, I always learn so much from like other people's experiences. So this has been amazing. Um, would you like to just quickly say where you can find Safe and Sound podcasts? Yeah, we're at Safe and Sound Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other network providers. Network providers? Don't think that's the right thing. Yeah, to say. podcast platforms. Uh, po- podcast yeah. platforms. Yeah. Definitely give us a little listen or a little follow. We're worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, that was so cringe. <laughs> love it. Love it. Oh, thank you so much, guys. And we'll be back with another episode very soon. Oh.